It's time for the Everything Medical Wellness Podcast, the podcast where we sit down and talk about the latest topics in the medical fitness industry. Today, we are discussing the future of healthcare. Without further ado, here's your host, Don Doyle. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the latest edition of Everything Medical Wellness, HealthPlex Associates' sponsored podcast. My name is Don Doyle, Senior Vice President with HealthPlex Associates, and today we are blessed and pleased to have with us Penn Highlands Healthcare Southwest Region President Peter Adamo. That's a mouthful, Peter, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, I got an extra long business card to accommodate <laughs> all those words. So, Peter, to get started, just give a little background. So, Plex Associates has had a uh, medical wellness facility with the sponsorship of Mon Valley, Penn Highlands Mon Valley Hospital for the past 17 years. So, we've really seen a lot of changes in healthcare and um, very fortunate. A lot of them have, you know, benefited the, the wellness center. We've seen people that through the continuum of care want to stay in the Mon Valley, Penn Highlands Mon Valley region. So we were fortunate to get some graduates of cardiac rehab, physical therapy, some of the traditional models, but we've um, recently been able to tap some other patient populations. So before we get into all that, Peter, why don't you give us a background of your 30 plus years in healthcare and how you ended up in the chair you're in today. Oh boy, this could go on forever. You're going to need two or three programs if you wanted to get all the juicy details. But uh, <laughs> I can tell you this is I, um, I went to school in uh, New Jersey. Uh, I ended up going to college in New Jersey, grew up there. Uh, I was very good at math and science. So I uh, graduated um, from college with a degree in industrial engineering. I spent the first four, almost five years in the manufacturing settings. Uh, and um, at one point, uh, I um, decided to come back to the East Coast from the West Coast, and I had an opportunity to work in a hospital. Uh, and I thought, well, this, this is going to be easy engineering for me, right? Um, I was used to lots of uh, production, lots of equipment movement, um, and the pressure of making sure that there were no defects and, and no waste. And the principles actually apply very well in the world of healthcare. Uh, so I came in as a management engineer back in the 80s, uh, worked at a hospital in Philadelphia. And a little at a time, I was open to doing things um, that I guess some of my counterparts weren't willing to. I got up and moved. I lived all over the country. Uh, a little at a time, I began to uh, take on additional responsibilities, became a chief executive uh, in my uh, late 30s, early 40s. Uh, and been sitting in that chair ever since. Uh, and I'm happy to be here in the Mon Valley. Great people, great hospital, well-equipped. Uh, and we have lots of uh, really nice things for, for the community. So I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that uh, maybe in the questions to come. Yeah, great. So tell us a little bit about how you think um, yeah, the path healthcare is heading down and how it's different than the traditional model of when you know, you started into the industry. I'm, I'm sure it was when we were concerned about filling up patient beds. Right. Now, well, how yeah. that's changed. Um, so, yeah, so tell us what the roller coaster you've been on and how you think the future of healthcare. Well, you can study and understand why hospitals and all of healthcare do what they do. It's typically because we're a government contractor by and large. Uh, most of the business that most hospitals manage really are paid for by the federal government between Medicare and Medicaid. You're looking at at least half of what it is that flows through your building if you run a hospital, sometimes more. Uh, and most of the commercial payers also follow many of the regulations and guidelines that Medicare uh, sets forth. Uh, 
So over the years, the, the reimbursement models change, which means those of us who want to keep the lights on have to keep moving to where the cheese keeps moving. So a long time ago, we used to be in a cost plus uh, arrangement, meaning you would submit your data in a cost report. And in so doing, hospitals would make money by making sure they covered their costs and were reimbursed for them. That went away in the 80s with the introduction of prospective payment, which is a DRG model of reimbursement. That's a case-based uh, reimbursement for all your inpatient care. Um, and in that environment, you better be pretty good at making sure you deliver care in an expeditious way, that you document properly so that you're paid properly. And that game changed completely in the 80s. A lot of hospitals quickly became profitable that were not because they were efficient before that moment arrived. And a lot of hospitals struggled. A couple of other changes that have happened over the years uh, is all the merging. And a lot of the merging has to do with your ability to economize, your ability to command better rates with third-party payers. The things that we're seeing today are providers becoming payers and payers becoming providers. The Pittsburgh market is really a Harvard Business School um, <laughs> case study of how it is that, you know, a, uh, I know my high school, we had um, Griffins and we had uh, Chimeras. And essentially what you have here is a Griffin and a Chimera doing battle with each other in Pittsburgh with UPMC and, and AHN, because one was originally just a provider that became a payer. The other one was a payer that became a provider, right? And the world is essentially watching how things will play out here, right? Because I think they each bring their respective strengths to, to the game. And it's kind of nice to see how they're doing things. I suspect we're going to see a lot more of this. Just recently, Kaiser Permanente which has been in this business for a long time, being both a provider and a payer, announced the, the introduction of a new system. I think they refer to it as Ryzent. Uh, I hope I'm saying that right. And they are doing some work outside of California, working with big systems that are taking on risk and becoming providers and payers at the same time, and recently announced an affiliation with Geisinger, uh, which does a very similar thing. They're a little newer to the game than Kaiser Permanente is, but it seems like a natural marriage. So we're all watching to see how that works right now. And I think every different way of doing things is under consideration with people like me and people that run health systems, because what we've been doing and the cost of resources are not what they used to be. And if we come to work each day with our same lunchbox doing the same things, we're probably not going to be able to make ends meet. So it's great to see all the innovation and all of the ways that we're figuring out how to keep these hospitals at the cutting edge, because that's important to society that hospitals are studying the cutting edge and still able to pay their bills each day. So it's good to see it all happening. Um, on the medical wellness end, we sort of um, you know mirror what you're showing because we see Medicare, you know, really dictating our market because as we try you know, a lot of the medical wellness, we um, do a really good job of servicing the senior population, uh -huh. and in the last handful of years. Medicare has seen a benefit to keeping their seniors healthier. So they've actually reimbursed for wellness center memberships, which gets me to our next point. I know I teased a little bit in the beginning that, you know, our longest tenured medical wellness center is sponsored with Penn Highlands Mod Valley. And um, I was explaining to a colleague the other day that, you know, the, the strategy that Mon Valley looked at at the time was to put a medical office building um, in a different target market of their you know, population base. Um, so, Peter, what have you seen? Um, you've been around the Penn Highlands Mon Valley long enough to 
you know, to know the demographics. So what was that strategy, do you feel, that putting a medical office building in a different part of the hospital's market? Well, let me say this. is um, I did have a chance to overlap with the outgoing chief executive, Lou Panza, when I started. I had about 30 days to spend with him. And one of the most exciting days he had as he was, um, I guess, doing a mind dump of everything he knew over the 39 years he's been here. And by the way, I still stay in touch with uh, Lou. Uh, was, you know, let's take a trip out to the health clinics. You're really going to be impressed by this. We walked around. I met you. I met some of the other folks that work there. It's a wonderful gym. It's clean. It's modern. Uh, I've, I've been a member of a lot of gyms in my lifetime. This is as well-equipped as a gym as you're going to find anywhere. You've got aquatics there. You've got cardiac rehab upstairs with skilled people able to help. I, that's a wonderful project that you all have underway there. And it's nice to know that, you know, it's what, 19, 17, 19 years going now, right? right. Probably going to go even longer. And who knows what it's going to look like in another 19 years. Um, so what I can tell you is that most hospitals want to make sure that they are taking care of things in their own backyard, right? And every day they're trying to make sure that the catchment area that they count on is large enough to support the programs that they have in place. You can't do sophisticated things if you don't have enough population to be able to support them. And you don't want pockets of um, of communities and areas to go unserved. It's nice to know that in a rural community like the Mon Valley, that people can get to something they need in 15 minutes or less. So I'm sure that when this decision was made to move into the healthplex out in Ross Draver, there was consideration about that population. Was it being served properly? What could we put there that would make the most sense? And I, we backed into it. It's kind of like coming up with the size of a suit you might fit. We had to measure you first to figure out, you know, how tall you are, how wide you are, and how long your sleeves might be. And you come up with something that makes sense. And that's been a terrific success out there. Um, you know, I, I think that building has had some history with other purposes, particularly on the um, the top floor there. I think it was a catering right. at one point. Uh, and I can tell you, this is kind of funny as I walked into the bathroom one day before I left that orthopedic group that situates itself upstairs. And I said, this has got to be the nicest bathroom in any doctor's office I've ever been in because it's a, it's a catering center's um, bathroom that they just left in place. So there's some very unique um, history behind that building. And it's a great location. Uh, and a lot of folks, every time I meet people in the community, they talk about, you know, the great experience they have there. You got a lot of a lot of members, but you also have a lot of very influential people who, um, you know, spend a lot of time at that gym. It's a social thing for them because cardiac rehab is done upstairs. Many of those members are introduced to the gym for clinical reasons. And before you know it, they develop a lifestyle um, as they age, as you were talking about, that Medicare population, you know, makes this a, a, a daily event for them. It's now a social thing for them to do is get out, catch a workout, see their friends, right? Feel good. Go home, right. have a meal. I can't wait till I retire and start doing those things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we have been fortunate to have such a, um, a willing partner. Um, you know, Penn Highlands, Mont Valley have always allowed us to stay cutting edge and understanding, you know, most medical wellness centers are the price leaders in the community. And when we're competing with the low cost, um, boy, when you hang the hospital's name on the door, it does come with a set of expectations of cleanliness, professionalism, you have certifications, we have master's degree level physiologists to take care of the patient population that is um, graduating. So with medical wellness, where do you see that continuum of care of moving the patient populations into wellness? Well, I think there's a couple of things I can say about this. You know, many of the things um, that we see at the hospital uh, are just not happenstance. 
Um, <laughs> there are folks that come in who are extremely overweight, haven't exercised in a, in a while. They probably drink too much. Uh, they're involved in abusive behaviors. Uh, I mean, the, the list just goes on of, of self-inflicted health setbacks, I'll call them, that um, had you just lived a little differently, maybe you could have avoided this train wreck altogether. Uh, and I think what's happening is um, many of society's issues percolate up in a couple of places in a market like ours. I've always said that if you're doing the wrong things, eventually you'll end up in jail or you'll end up in a hospital. Right. And there are probably a few other places you could end up as well. Right. Uh, so I, I think we're finally coming to realize that many of society's issues are really self-inflicted and that some people are just not living the way they could or should. And it may be because they're very challenged environments. There's a lot of talk these days about social determinants of health. There are people who can't even go for a walk if they wanted to because the neighborhood is so unsafe. There are no fresh vegetables in their communities. These are the kinds of things that we need to solve together. And I think people in healthcare naturally want to solve those problems. Trust me, we have enough patients coming in and out of our buildings each day. I don't need for the population to be any sicker than it is already. And what we're also finding is, as we said earlier, is as the, as the reimbursement cheese moves, we have to find it. And what's happening is there's a greater emphasis being placed on reducing unnecessary utilization so that we can save some money to spend on the things that are truly necessary. So if people can start taking better care of themselves, many of the unnecessary expenses go away. But more importantly, people live better lives. Who really wants to be in the hospital every month? Nobody really wants to come into an emergency department. Nobody really wants to have their skin punctured so we can go inside and take something out that shouldn't be there. Nobody really wants that. So at the end of the day, is this really about the money? The money is really an end product of just living life a little better than we did the day before. And trust me, we'll have plenty of patience, even if everyone takes care of themselves better than they do today. But we'll, we'll have the money to be able to spend on the truly necessary interventions instead of some of those self-inflicted, avoidable sorts of things that uh, we're now consuming a, a great deal on. Right. Well, that's uh, cool that you say that because I've been in the uh, medical wellness industry for you know 25 plus years now, and boy, I can see the the needle moving. We um, run diabetes prevention programs that are sponsored with the hospital, and we see this patient population coming over, getting into medical wellness. It's an educational process, so they look at us as an educational resource. So teamed up with the the hospital and the wellness, it, it really makes sense. And we're seeing some reimbursement money available based on outcomes. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're really challenging, you know, our staff and your teams over at the hospital to, you know, identify that population and maybe pre-diabetics and let's get them before they need the medical care. So that's cool. And then, boy, recently, um, you know, the neuromuscular, we see a lot of Parkinson's patients. That yeah. seems to be a population that really, really responds well to exercise and supporting body weight movements and expanding blood volume. So we can see, um, you know, the needle moving on some medical programs into medical wellness and healthcare. To switch it a little bit, it's also we see knowing enough about the healthcare industry to make me dangerous. We also know that a lot of our managed sites, the employee population becomes important. So now you know, we know that that's one of the biggest expenses in healthcare is the you know your own employees yes. healthcare. So you know we see a great metric that we manage and what percentage of your employees in these hospitals are coming over. So do you see 
that trend. What do you hear about, you know, from your employee population about, you know, the health system and healthcare and med- medical wellness? Well, first thing we should um, maybe discuss is that anytime you're a larger employer, you tend to become self-insured. So it's your dollars that you're spending on your people and their dependents as they consume health care. Uh, so we're the same way. Um, every dollar that's spent is a dollar that we no longer have in our coffers to do other things. So we're very conscious about that. My assistant, I don't think misses her workout. Right? <laughs> she does not. Here, does not miss a workout, right? And <laughs> uh, God bless her because I, I, I think she serves as a um, an example for me because I've been missing my workouts lately and I'm feeling it, right? <laughs> uh, and and to me, I, I think without working out, it just doesn't seem like a complete day to me. But when it comes to managing your employees, in addition to reducing unnecessary or avoidable expenses, you know, it's really about keeping your folks healthy. When they're healthy, they come to work with a different attitude. They can come to work because they're not out sick, right? And the tragedies that sometimes arise with people prematurely dying or suffering from diseases for the rest of their lives that might have otherwise been um, sidestepped with a change in diet or a change in the way they take care of themselves or reducing the amount of alcohol they may consume or just discontinuing smoking. For Pete's sake, I'd like to think that, you know, that's something that we could just wave goodbye to, but it just seems to persist. There are a lot of things we do to ourselves that really aren't all that healthy. Uh, and create some of these problems. But I think what you've been doing there is having those professionals be available to folks as they come in and begin to work out and develop a new habit, develop a sense of joy in the workout and creating a social environment there, um, you know, creates a new habit for people. And they see the fun in this. A lot of folks see working out as necessary evil. I think you guys have kind of set that aside, dispelled that rumor and said, this is really one of the most fun things you can do each day. Right. Well, thank you. Uh, we spend a lot of time managing metrics, much like you know, the healthcare systems do. And, you know, we see the needle moving. We um, have some case studies through HealthPlex Associates where we identified some of our sponsoring hospitals, top spenders in their healthcare. And it's usually people that have heart conditions, you know, diabetics, some of the medications are expensive. So we try to help best we can to support those people through education and supporting their body weight and wellness. But funny you notice the other thing, because what we preach to our teams over here at the Wellness Center is creating an environment that's conducive to people wanting to be there. I get a kick out of, we have a a handful of gentlemen that come in on Tuesdays and and play Scrabble. They have their they have their exercise bags with them and they set them by the chair. I think they told their wives they're going to work out and I you know, I see them pick the bag up and leave, but you know, it's a club within a club is what we try to create because, again, you know, being sponsored by, you know, hospitals and foundations and rec centers, it has to be something that's engaging. And we spend a lot of time, you know, preaching to our staff that eat on, you know, low cost. We can't right. with your, you know, $10 a month gyms with the facility we have and the staff we have, that's not our model. So we have to create value through outcomes, through member service, through programming that engages the patient population. Or we strive to, you know, be part of that continuum of care with the people in all of our communities. Um, So I'm going to let you talk a little bit and, you know, close us out today by saying, you know, asking Peter, where do you think 
you know, the future of healthcare is. I know, boy, when I, you know, out in the Pittsburgh market, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago, there were a lot of independent community hospitals that seem to be part of systems now and receive benefits, you know, with that. So where do you see, you know, the, the future of healthcare and, you know, maybe 10 years from now, what do you think is going to be different in your industry? Well, I'm flattered that you'd even ask me. Um, I think we're all struggling and I think we can all guess at where it's headed. Some people will say there will be one, if not two providers in every region of the country. That's one way to look at it. I happen to think that um, there have been so many consolidations that have not led to many positive things. People begin to question some of these consolidations and what they really have done to make care more affordable. Uh, and on the other hand, there are many hospitals, particularly in rural settings, that are just closing. They just can't make ends meet. Uh, I think enough is enough. We can't afford for more hospitals to not be open. We have to figure out ways to keep them open because at the end of the day, if you truly believe that you know that care and that assistance needs to be close to home and not be a foreign destination where that intelligence and caregiving to save a life is not two hours away from your home, Right. Because uh, many things, you know, as they say, time is brain. Time is everything in healthcare. at times. Um, we've got to be able to keep these hospitals open in those rural communities. There may be a bifurcation in what we do in the larger settings. I think we're going to end up using more technology to leverage the things that are scarce. Um, you can't have specialized doctors on every street corner. There's just not enough of them in the country and nor should there be. They like to spend time with each other in these academic set um, settings, doing research, doing the things that this industry needs. But that doesn't mean that through technological advancements, their presence and their intelligence can't be in your neighborhood so you can access them conveniently without having to drive two or three hours to go see someone and wait in line to be seen. I think we're finding ways to leverage intelligence across the country the same way we're doing it with cell phone access, right? And all the, the, the ways that you know we've wired this country up so that it doesn't matter where you are, you can still have a phone call to someone that you need to speak to. I think it's the same way in healthcare. We're just a little late in adapting it. I think technology needs to come to the rescue. Um, we're, we're losing nurses by the hour in this field. And I think we need to come to grips with the fact that there just won't be the same number of nurses as a ratio to patients as we've had in the past. The number of patients is growing just because of the baby boomers and the, the, the length of time that more of us humans are living. And as you get older, it's only natural to think that you're probably going to need a little more health care than you did when you were younger. You're going to need more, more touches throughout the year. And with that happening on the one hand, and with the number of people choosing other professions, uh, other than you know going to, to school to become an RN, we're going to be faced with a tremendous deficit in the future, even worse than it is today. Technology really needs to be able to cross that um, chasm between those two divergent um, trends at this point in time. And I suspect that we'll end up seeing things in the hospital that make it simpler and easier to document care. Uh, simpler and easier to um, diagnose patients so it doesn't take as long, it doesn't take as many man hours to get from point A to point B. And if we do this smart, we'll do it better than we ever have. And I like to compare healthcare to the changes that have been made over the last 30 years in the automotive manufacturing um, sense. There are less man hours in the production of a vehicle today than there have ever been. Yet these cars are safer, they're faster, they're more convenient, they do a thousand more things, and they last longer than they ever did. 
We didn't do that by throwing more man hours at it. We did it by changing the process. We did it by introducing technology where it made perfect sense. It doesn't mean that humans are not involved with the manufacturing. They're still involved. They're still designing. They're still creating the new ideas. But we've shifted from a um, hands-on environment to perform things to more of an environment where our intelligence is used to make the experience better, more convenient, and more effective. And I think we have to do the same thing in healthcare. Well said. I, I really appreciate, you know, you spending time with us today. So we had Peter Adamo from Penn Highlands Healthcare, who's the regional president, a, a wonderful perspective. And I can see how the connection of medical wellness and healthcare with the, the technology, we can um, manage people's visits and we can be creative. We can reach out to people that haven't been here in six days through a key strike and send them a little text message that says, boy, we miss you today. So we all want to use technology when it's well received from our patient population or our members. So uh, a great way to say that. So I appreciate two things. I appreciate you spending time with us today and really helping our listeners understand, you know, where you came from and what you think of the future of the healthcare industry and the um, reimbursement model and how that greatly affects what we all do. And also, you know, thank you for your continued support of HealthPlex Associates. Like I said, we're 17 years into this venture of medical wellness. Um, Juan Valley was sort of on the, the cutting edge. It was medical wellness was out there, but they really um, they didn't just dip their toe in. They jumped in with medical wellness. And we um, all know the benefits in our region to the affiliation with um, Penn Highlands, Juan Valley. So we appreciate your support, Peter. And thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Keep doing what you're doing, guys. Doing great work out there. Thank you so much. And thank you, listeners, for joining another episode of HealthPlex Associates, Everything Medical Wellness. Thanks for listening to the Everything Medical Wellness podcast with your host, Don Doyle, and our guest, Peter Adamo. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the future of healthcare. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review.